sharing my story around my chests, my chest, my breast, my boobs <laughs> is, uh, is something that's probably been a long time coming and something that I've avoided on the whole. Um, I've avoided telling it probably wholly. I have definitely talked about it on social media. Uh, it feels vulnerable. You know, it absolutely feels vulnerable. This is a big thing for women. Um, and I think that's a really big piece is that our chest, the size of our breasts are seen by society to absolutely be a measure of our worth. And that's where the problem begins. Welcome to the Create Beautifully podcast, where the potential in me honors the potential in you. If you're wondering if you can really change and truly find and live your purpose, then I invite you to let me be your accountability partner and for you to be mine. And together, we can explore with curiosity and humor what it is to create beautifully in every area of our lives and to take action to make that happen. So let's explore this a little bit. I'm going to share about uh, how I how I experienced myself before getting implants, the decision to get implants, how, how it was having them, the experience of having implants, the decision to get them out and what that was all about and where I am now with my body. And I think, I hope this will speak to anyone who looks at their body and thinks that there's something wrong with it. There's something not socially acceptable about it. There is something that will, there's something that's cause for rejection, specifically rejection around love, honestly. Um, so I recall <laughs> being younger when every everyone's boobs were growing. I swear they grew later in life than they than they do now. Everything everyone just kids just grow faster now. But um I remember one of my best friends in we had to be in high school because I didn't meet her until freshman year of high school. So it was probably later in freshman year. Um maybe sophomore year and a bunch of us, our boobs were starting to grow. I know, I'm not kidding. It, everything was different timeline then. <laughs> I guess some kids had them, but like, like now it's like, I don't know, by 12, you, you're already working on stuff. But um, I was definitely, you know, a late bloomer and then like a not much bloomer. And I remember my friend and I, we, we would always kind of, you know, compare with, uh, our t-shirts on or whatever, kind of pull them, pull them tight and see, see who's were bigger. And we were kind of the same for a while. And I just remember one time, I literally remember this, we were in my garage and hers were bigger. And I remember being like, oh my God, they're bigger. How do they get bigger? This is clearly, this is clearly a thing. I mean, I have a distinct point, like a distinct memory of thinking my friend's boobs are bigger than mine. And I don't know if, I don't know, I actually don't know if most women have this type of uh, memory or not. And 
it could have easily have been that I was just a slower grower, right? Um, I didn't really know that mine were basically done. <laughs> They'd basically started and wrapped up in, in rapid fire speed. Um, I was, I, uh, for perspective, my boobs never grew more than like, not even an A. So if you went to Victoria's Secret and you picked an A, that didn't fit me. Um, and uh, most most bras didn't fit me. For those, for my uh, my older lady friends out there, if you all remember Limited 2, <laughs> for those who don't know, Limited 2 was like a teeny bop store. Um, in my 20s, if I wanted a bra, I had to buy it there. It's not like today where there are beautiful companies making beautiful bras for adult women with small chests who would like to feel like adult women <laughs> and feel, you know, like women in their bodies uh, and not feel like they had to buy their bras alongside 12-year-olds. Um, yeah, and I, I just remember in, in high school just being the smallest. And throughout my life, there have been women who have said to me like, oh, me too, girl. Oh, I feel you. I feel you. I will tell you, I'm 43 years old. I have met in, you know, since I've been aware of boob size, <laughs> which is, you know, uh, I don't know, 30 years at this point, I have maybe, I don't even know if in person I've met anyone who's smaller than me. Now with the advent of the interwebs, um, there are some women who I follow online, who I really appreciate it, who talk about small chests. Um, and there's, you see it a lot more. I feel like it's getting trendier to have, have smaller boobs. Um, but even then they're still, they're still bigger than me. I just always had really teeny boobs and nothing fit. And I couldn't ever find prom dresses. Uh, it was really hard to find prom dresses, for sure. It's not like, a, you know, I mean, I only had two proms, but that's a really big deal, prom. And all my favorite dresses didn't work right. Basically, if there was a seam, uh, for any men who may be listening, <laughs> lots of bras and uh, tops and dresses have a seam kind of down the center of the boob. And they have a special seam there, ideally, because there is some fat that would fill it out. And if there was any seam in there, I knew it wouldn't fit. Um, sometimes I would have things tailored, but that was very frustrating. It was just really frustrating to go to the store and to have such limited options because so few things were made for women with really little chests. Um, and that got really, really frustrating. I mean, there were times that I had cried in dressing rooms. Um, and when you don't, when it feels like society is made for not you, <laughs> you really, really feel like there's something wrong. Um, and I can imagine this is the same with any anyone who has any anything physical that that is that doesn't fit in, right? I'm not going to go down uh, a lot of that path, but, but yeah, it, it was, 
you know, I didn't see it anywhere. Um, I think I saw it on like two models. It's Selma Blair, I believe. The actress Selma Blair, I think, had a chest like me. <laughs> that made me really happy that she was famous. I was like, oh, look, Pete, you can be famous. But she was also never a lead in anything, which I, I took mental note of that. I uh, couldn't be a lead. And at the time, I for decades, I pursued acting. And that became really apparent. You can't get leads with small boobs. You have to look female. You have to look like a woman. And you have to have boobs for that. Boobs that stick out past your stomach. And y'all, if you don't know me, I'm skinny. I'm skinny. And yet I have this tummy that if I drink too much water or eat a burger, it just sticks out. Uh, it can look... If I've had a good... If I really stuffed myself in a meal, it can solidly look like I'm five to six months pregnant. <laughs> but it, there's not a lot of fat. It just sticks out. And that was a big thing for me too, just having a stomach that stuck out past my boobs. And um, it was very easy for my stomach to do that because I had such a small chest. So not fitting into anything, feeling like the world was not, the world of women was not made for me. Um, and feeling really just like, uh, you know, in high school, it's all about not all about, but that's where you start dating and noticing boys and then, you know, your 20s. And I had I had boyfriends. I had great boyfriends. Um, and none of them said anything negative about my chest ever, <laughs> which is really awesome. And somehow I also internalized that should they have a problem with my chest, I would understand. Okay, how fucked up is that? Um, and I internalized it through TV, magazines, and media. I was going to say social media, but we didn't have social media yet. And, you know, the song that came out here in the last couple years, that Victoria's Secret song, I mean, that was dead on. We would get the Victoria's Secret magazine, and it was these beautiful women with C's, you know, C, C cups. And it was like, oh, this is what beauty is. This is what femininity is. This is what it is. And, and it's not what I am. And there was there were none of them who looked like me. There were none of them in, like I said, the leads in movies. Um, there were, you just didn't see women with flat chests portrayed as sexy, capable, confident, worthy of love soft, feminine. Uh, and I, it really became a thing with guys. I really, really thought that like, why would a guy really like me? Like, of course he would want to have someone who had bigger boobs. Like, of course, like look at, look, look at the movies, look at how cleavage is displayed. Look at how women with big boobs are treated. It actually wasn't until I shit you not, the past like two weeks that I really realized something that was so, so huge for me in this, which is um, I really associated bigger boobs with power, like, like major power. I mean, it was just, it's just displayed all the time as men can't handle themselves. Men can't control themselves. Women are, you know, women are jealous of women with 
big boobs because they, not even like huge, but just like C's, right? Because I know there are plenty of women with B's who'd be like, me too, girl. I'm also small. And I'm like, girl, no. (laughs) And I don't want to, I don't want anyone to feel isolated here. That's definitely not, not me saying that. And, and I want to say our experiences are not the same. Um, we have two very different experiences. If you're a B, um, you can fit in things, you can find bras. Um, yeah, it's just, it's just, it, it is different. Um, but I, but I really realized that I really associated them with power. And I think I thought, I think I thought that I always had to play smaller because I did not have physical things that le- that led me into power. Ugh, trying to trying to work through how to say this best. I hope that made sense. Um, I definitely felt like because of my small chest, I would have to play smaller. I wouldn't be taken as seriously. I wouldn't be able to have the power that I wanted to have because of a lack of breast tissue. Um, yeah, and so. It was something that, uh, it was just really on my mind all the time. I was extraordinarily self-conscious about the way things fit. Um, just trying to find a bathing suit was a fucking nightmare. It, I mean, if I stretched backwards, like if I were to put my arms up in the sky and lean back and stretch backward, I'd basically flatten out, um, you, you could, like, there was something, like, you could see something, like, you could see stuff in general, um, but it was just, yeah, like I said, just, just too small to fit in anything, and I think if I had that body now, my relationship to it would be a lot fucking different, but welcome to a, a uh, you know, decades of dealing with this, so I really... I really, really, really was ready for a change. And I saw a lot of people have breast implants. And when I finally decided to do it, I'd been living in Los Angeles for eight years. Uh, I moved out to LA from Tennessee. So I grew up in New Jersey. We moved to outside Nashville, Tennessee when I started high school. And then I left for college. I went to USC as a theater major in Southern California and so I had gone all through college and I'd been out of college. What's that? Four years for four years. I'd been in the acting world. Again, we discussed, we discussed the size boobs you see in famous actors and I did not see my shape. And it's really interesting looking back how much it sits in your subconscious. There's so, so, so many things, so many factors that I can see retroactively now that were really at play in a really subconscious way because I was absolutely one of those people that was like, I'm doing this for me. I'm doing this for me so that I can feel good and I can feel good about my body and I don't have to think about my stomach sticking out past my boobs anymore and I can find dresses that fit me and tops that fit me and I can have cleavage. Oh my God, the cleavage envy is real. (laughs) Cleavage envy is real. and, and I was like, I'm doing this for me and I feel really good about myself and this is just going to just be that little self-esteem boost. And it, it, 
it really, I really didn't realize till years later, it's like, why did I think that was for me? Why did I think that was self-love? And I thought it was self-love because I received the messages that in order to be loved, my body had to look different than it did. I received the message societally through, you know, just friend groups and the media and entertainment and magazines that I had to have bigger boobs in order to be respected, be loved, be desired. Absolutely. And therefore, I was willing to pay thousands and thousands of dollars, cut my body open and have something installed in my body that was not natural to it. And I just, I can't get on board with the narrative that that that, that is self-love. It's a totally different story if there, you know, if if there's been body trauma, you know, something, um, I don't know, some type of malformation or deformity that someone really just wants to see themselves as quote unquote more normal or just, you know, try to heal some of those things. But if your body is is good. And, I, and that statement is not to say that other bodies are bad. I mean, if your body is, is whole, but some, some of it aren't the sh- aren't, isn't the shape that you want, or some of it's not as big as you want, or some of it's not as small as you want, ask yourself why you want to change it. Like for real, like really. And, and is it based in things that society is saying? And if society has, if society was different and society had, you know, if I grew up in a world where society just prays small chests, there's no fucking way I would have ever gotten implants, right? There's no way. If I grew up seeing them in magazines, seeing them as desirable, seeing powerful, seeing, you know, all these things. Of course, I wouldn't spend that money and cut my body open. So it, it's, it's designed as self-love, right? Or it's, it's uh, di- sorry, not designed, it's disguised as self-love. But really what certain plastic surgeries are is a shortcut to loving our bodies, we're saying, I can't figure out how to love my body, so I'm just going to change it instead of doing my own inner work, my own love, my own whatever I need um, to get to a place where I don't need to change it. Um, yeah, and so I, so I decided to get implants and I was very excited about them. <laughs> Side note, I had started dating my um my now husband about oh gosh, about a month, maybe even like 3 weeks before I was scheduled to fly home and get the surgery. <laughs> I feel that's important on a couple levels. One just personally 
just in our whole journey, I just love knowing that he just found me attractive and basically fell in love with me before I ever altered my body. I think that um, that's played a lot just kind of psychologically into things for me and has made me feel good um, in a lot of this journey. Um, So, oh my gosh, we're 20 minutes in and I haven't even gotten to this next piece or I haven't even gotten to like so many pieces of this. So, so I flew home and I got implants and, and let's talk about the implant process. Let's share this a little bit with how doctors work. Now it's not all doctors and things, it's not all doctors anymore. Things have changed. So if you are considering implants, or even if you're just curious about the implant process a little bit, this ought to be illuminating. Um, you go to the doctor and you tell them what you want your boobs to look like. And y'all, I was just happy to be able to fit into a bra. I was like, look, I just want to be able to go to Victoria's Secrets because that's where everyone fucking went at that time. It's like, I just want to go to Victoria's Secrets and I just want to be like, B, I don't know, 32B and I'm good. Just something, something that had like, just some boobs that have like t- some movement to them. <laughs> I had such like athletic boobs. I was like, just something that has like a little bit of bounce and like a little bit of uh, movement in there and where I can just tuck them into a bra. Like that sounds great. B is great. The response that I got from this man was, yeah, everyone says that, but then if I give them bees, they're not happy and they come back and they want Caesar D's. And I don't know, I was 26 and I was like, my brain went, well, uh, I don't know. I mean, all I really want are bees, but if I have bees, am I going to wish I'd gone bigger? I don't know. So this is the response that he gave me. And this is pretty, pretty typical this was absolutely typical across the board, and this can be pretty typical now depending on what doctor you see. Doctors are a lot more aware of uh, implants, breast implant illness, and listening to their patients. Oh my God, novel fucking idea. Listen to what the patient wants. All these plastic surgeons had this, our patient really doesn't know what they want vibe. And so we'll just give them what you know, what we think they're going to want later. So the response was, well, when you're on the table, we just put them in and we kind of look at your body shape and decide what's, what looks good. And that's what we give you. Y'all, I, I, did, I was 26. I was like, okay, it's good. Yeah, it's good. I was 26, low self-esteem, definitely about my body. Um, just wanted to fit in, feel desired, feel powerful, feel like I was, you know, worthy of, of, love. (laughs) Um, And I was like, yeah, whatever you as a male decide is probably going to be okay with other males. There was definitely, I don't know. I don't know why there's, I didn't like, I didn't really grow up in a household. I would say this was much more societally based than like my home life. I mean, my mom had C's, like she had good boobs. (laughs) So, you know, it's also kind of weird to be like, how come, why didn't, why didn't I get more of what my mom had? Like, I thought, I thought we're supposed to pass down some genes. I definitely, definitely more resembled my dad's mom. Um, And she was a model for a while and she had little teeny boobs. 
you know, but at that point, she was my grandma. So you don't really think about your grandma's boobs one way or another. <laughs> um, so I had the surgery and overall, if I just, if I just sum this up, sum up 14 and a half years of having implants, I felt less self-conscious and I never once loved them. I felt less self-conscious because my stomach didn't stick out past my boobs unless I ate a whole lot of food. Um, I told you it sticks out really, really, really far. Um, my stomach didn't stick out past my boobs. I had more of a quote unquote womanly figure. Uh, I felt like I fit in more as a female shape, but I never loved them. What I was given was 325 cc's of saline implants, which turned out to be a size C. If I went into Victoria's Secrets, I got a 32 or 34 C. And it was so different from what my shape was before. I, they never felt like me. In 14 and a half years, I thought that I would love them. I wanted to love my breasts. And I fucking hate the word breasts, so I'm just going to keep saying boobs. Although sometimes I feel like breasts is like more natural and kind of gives us the, the vibe I'm going for, but I just hate that word. <laughs> I don't know why. Um, I wanted to love them, and I thought that I would love them. And there were some things that were fun about having big boobs over or bigger boobs, big boobs over 14 and a half years. Um, absolutely. There were things that were fun to wear. Um, but I, I was still self-conscious. There was part of me that was still self-conscious because I felt they were too big. I think that's one of the reasons that I never loved them. They felt too big for my body. They weren't what I'd asked for, even though I agreed to his way of doing things, they weren't what I initially asked for. I didn't wear a lot of cleavagey things like I wanted to because they were too big. And my and my uh, my natural breast tissue is so small that it didn't take long for you to be able to see ripples underneath the surface. So I kept them covered up a lot. I had to um, I had to wear I just wore bras a lot, which is obviously like what you do, but, <laughs> but I was just, I was keeping, I was just keeping them. I was kind of hiding the rippling and I even just felt like they were too big. Like my, my chest above them was so skinny and my chest between them was so skinny. It just, it was a weird, it was a weird shape. And, um, and I was, I was fine with them, um, but they didn't do for me what I thought they were going to do for me. I thought I would just feel feminine and beautiful and powerful, and I just felt the same, but with bigger boobs, again, less physically self-conscious, but not really in love with them. Um, I did see, we'll get to this, but I did see a plastic surgeon recently and he had said to me, um, 
he explained to me a few things about what had happened. So um, one, because they're so big, because the implants were too big, uh, and due to the fact that I explanted, my natural pocket, my natural breast pocket is completely destroyed. So the fact that the implant was too big, um, the, the bottom pocket, it just stretched it out way too much. Um, and then, you know, once I explanted, like it completely, it completely lost the natural pocket. Um, and the other thing that they tell you, but they don't really break down for you when you get implants. So the options were above the muscle or below the muscle and under the muscle is the most common. I don't even know if they give you a choice anymore. I'm guessing they do, but I do know that under the muscle is the most common. So they just say under the muscle and I'm like, yay, under the muscle sounds good. You know, so they put the implant under under your pectoral muscle and it's supposed to create a more natural look and especially having such natural breast tissue, it, it would have... Um, it covered up kind of the top of the implant. So it wouldn't just be like my skin on top of the implant. So like, oh, okay, this is, this is a good option, good option. And I'm like, yeah, okay, great. So when I explanted, so I explanted in February, 2021. So a little over two years ago now. Um, uh, all of a sudden I realized that I had this kind of like bump or like a ridge, not a bump, like a ridge above where my natural, what was left of my boobs uh, were. And it was explained to me, and this is like, oh, duh. So under the muscle means they cut your pectoral muscle. They cut it. And so the bottom half is just left. And then the top half eventually rolls up like a roller shade. And if you don't have a lot of natural breast tissue and you want to explant, that's going to be visible later on. And even if you don't have a lot of natural breast tissue, you've now cut your pectoral muscles, connecting your muscle, you know, connecting the muscles that reach over your ribs, you've now just severed them. And that's it. Some people do muscle repair, but I've heard even the doctors that do muscle repair, I've heard that it doesn't necessarily take and it's really hard to stretch the muscle back out again. Um, yeah, so that so that happens and that is awesome. And that now that I know it, it's like, wow, I just, I hacked myself. I gave, I paid someone to, to, um, ah, what is the word I'm looking for? to destroy the integrity of my body, of my chest, of my chest muscles, of my uh, natural shape of my breast. I, I paid someone to do that because I didn't, I didn't think my body was okay as it was. I didn't think it was beautiful enough as it was. And I also was not told nor did I even know to ask about what actually would happen, what what would be happening internally to my body, and what would I do when I wanted them out, or if they it was time to change them out because they don't last forever. 
some people leave them in for a really long time and they get pretty gross. <laughs> but, you know, no one said this is what you can expect if you want them out again. Um, I didn't I didn't understand how cutting the muscle worked. I didn't know any of that. Um, and in general, society is just, especially, especially at the time, I feel like we're getting a little, we're waking up a little bit more to paying thousands of dollars to alter our bodies. Um, but you know, everyone was basically in support. Yeah. Get boobs, get boobs, get boobs. It'll be so great. It'll be so great. I even had my primary care physician who I saw, he is no longer my primary care physician, but I saw him and I was like, Hey, I'm thinking about getting implants. Like, what do you know about the health risks? And he was like, Oh, I have plenty of patients who do them. And then they all come in and they show me how great their boobs look. And I was like, okay, I never need to come back and see you again. <laughs> Just noting that. Um, yeah. And they also did something, um, which which could have been due to the fact that they were too big. They did something called bottoming out. For those of you that don't know what bottoming out is, it's literally where they fall beneath, they fall. <laughs> they fall out of the natural breast cavity, the breast cavity capsule i don't know i don't know what you want to call it <laughs> um but out of the natural breast shape they they fall below it so they had bottomed out and they'd bottomed out early and what i learned from this plastic surgeon who i saw recently is that they probably uh bottomed out because they were too small or sorry they were too big the the plastic surgeon i said recently was like you know had you come to see me you know, had I had I been the one to see you when you were 26, we would have done smaller implants and we would have done this and this and maybe you would still be, you know, maybe you would still be loving them. And that would have, you know, if that was the case, that would have been the case. I mean, now I would go back and not do them at all, right? I would not put them in at all. I would have loved to see what my this is a random thing. I would have loved to see what my boobs did on their own when I had my two babies. I would have loved to to experience my um, my postpartum boobs and and see what my little bitty boobies did with some milk in them and how they were able to to you know feed my kids and just how they were able how they would look and. I'm, I kind of, I miss that that didn't happen. I will say too, you know, they always tell you you can breastfeed with implants and it's possible, but it's not always possible. So I did, I did realize that one, one side, when I was trying to breastfeed my first child, one side had been, um, some of the milk ducts, I don't know, were blocked and just really not enough was coming out of them. And so I had to, um, that, and this is not a podcast about my thoughts on breastfeeding, nor my experience with breastfeeding, but I did, I did stop breastfeeding fairly early on. And a lot of that I believe was due to the implants. Um, and also it was just, I just think them being in there while trying to breastfeed made it really, really difficult. Um, Oh, what was I saying? <laughs> oh, isn't it fun when we get off track? So, so I, um, after about 14 years, I really, I really started 
they really started to bother me. And somehow I came across this website or this Facebook page. It's called Breast Implant Illness, uh, Breast Implant Illness and Healing by Nicole. That's the name of the Facebook page, Breast Implant Illness and Healing by Nicole. And I went in there. Um, I, I, I 100% forget how I found this, but I found this site and went in and saw all these women getting their implants out, many of them who were sick and had a litany of symptoms, anything from from anxiety and breathing problems to autoimmune disorders, rashes, joint pain, um, and then they would get them out and these symptoms would go away. And I was not to the point where I really felt like I had full breast implant illness, but I did have a lot of joint pain. Oh, I was talking about bottoming out. That's that's where it was. And I think a lot of that was because they'd bottomed out. Not joint pain, sorry, rib rib pain. I literally had a lot of pain along my ribs and it hurt. And I would try to like rub it out and that hurt even more. And that was probably due to the fact that they had bottomed out. And when I had shown this plastic surgeon recently uh, what they had looked like, he was like, oh my God, they were base, they were almost on your abdomen. And I was like, yeah, yes. And then again, I said they'd bottomed out really early, probably because they were too big. And I had seen a plastic surgeon for something else. Um, I honest, it was like a, it was like a skin doctor slash plastic surgeon. So I think I'd even gone in just for like a skin check or whatever. And he, and this was shortly after we moved from Tennessee or moved from LA to Tennessee. So I'd only had them in for probably three years, maybe four years. And he was like, Hey, I just want you to know, it looks like your implants have bottomed out. And he's like, do you want me to take a look? And I was like, okay. And he was a plastic surgeon and did all kinds of stuff. So I get a nurse in the room. So I let him check him out. And he was like, yeah, he's like, these have bottomed out. He's like, I can fix them. And we go in and we like fold it under or whatever. He's like, but in the meantime, you should wear a bra permanently. <laughs> I still had like, I still had like 10 more years with these. <laughs> I was... It was like, so if we can imagine that they were bottomed out by year four, four or five max, um, how they looked when I finally got them out. Because, yeah, I mean, I wore a bra a lot, but also I didn't want to wear a bra all the time. So by the time I was ready to get them out, I was experiencing pain. I was also having a lot of anxiety and I didn't know what it was related to, but there were so many people saying that they'd experienced anxiety with their implants that I was like, maybe it's you know, maybe that's part of it. Um, just kind of random symptoms that I was like, maybe, maybe it's my implants. And again, I'd never loved them. I'd never loved them. So I got to this point where I was having pain from the implants for sure. Um, probably from the bottoming out and anxiety, which may or may not have been related to the implants. I also because of the way that they looked after just so many years of just bottoming out and then the rippling, I I just didn't like them anymore. Again, it didn't, I never loved them. So <laughs> I went from kind of like accepted them to not liking the way that they looked. Um, I didn't really like the way that they feel, that they felt uh, when I would, snuggle with my kiddos they would come and snuggle up with me especially as they got a little older 
you know, to- like toddler age and stuff, they'd snuggle up and they'd put their head on my chest and my, impl- my implant would move around, especially now that it bottomed out and created a nice space for itself to move. So it could move kind of under my armpit or it could move down or it could move up and I would constantly be taking their head and moving my implant and like adjusting how they were snuggling with me and it was so uncomfortable. I also got really serious, um, not really serious, but a lot more serious about yoga in 2015. Uh, I shared that story on the episode uh, about when my daughter almost died. So, um, which is one of the earlier episodes, if you want to check, check that out. So, so I, I would do yoga. I did a lot of yoga and with yoga, there's a bunch of moves where you're on your stomach, you know, or if I would go to get a massage or anything where I had to lay on my stomach, it was so uncomfortable. They, again, they would move into my, into my armpits or it would just feel like, you know, it would feel like if you took a, a water balloon and put a thicker casing on it and tried to lay on two of them (laughs) and have that, have that be comfortable. That's what it, that's probably the closest I can say to what it felt like. Also, I have two daughters and at the time of this recording, they are 10 and 13. Literally my oldest just turned 13 yesterday. And, you know, a couple years ago, kids hit this point where they start to kind of notice your bodies as more than just, oh, it's mom and dad. Um, or, you know, in this case, mom, at some, you know, at some point they stopped seeing, seeing dad naked. <laughs> but they started asking me. They'd look at my body and they would say, are my boobs going to look like yours? They'd ask me that question and they were probably, I don't know, six, seven. You know, are my boobs going to look like yours? My boobs going to look like Nana's? Are my boobs going to look like yours? Like that kind of stuff. And they didn't know about my implants yet. And it was like, what, what do I tell them? You know, look, they're probably not going to look like mine because in theory, I think, I think, I don't know if this is a myth or not, but I do, I think in theory you get your boobs from your dad's mom, which is accurate in my case. As I mentioned, my dad's mom is absolutely, as I looked in the chest, the most like her. Um, but if that's the case, my girls are not going to have any boob issues. Even if they get like my mom's mom, like my mom, my mom or my husband's mom, like C's, C's plus. Um, but if they're asking me, am I bo- are my boobs going to look like yours? It's like, you know, well, here's the complicated history of that, children. And I also, I really got to the point where I did not want to look my daughters in the eye and give them the message that you needed to change your body. And I'm sure some people will be like, well, the message could be you can change your body. You can always change your body. You can pay to have your body look differently. But that's not the fucking message I wanted to give my kids. And and I'm not, I'm not tearing anyone down because... Anyone who makes the choice to give their kids the message of look at all the look at all the in, like look at the things I've done to my body, look at the surgeries I've gotten, look at the injections I've gotten, look at whatever. If you if you want to pass on the message to your kids, and if you want to frame it as you can do all these things to to feel beautiful, to be beautiful, then that's your fucking right. Like you don't owe me anything. You don't owe me to do it my way. You don't owe anyone to do it my way. 
But I also don't owe you to do it your way. And my way is to absolutely teach my kids, don't touch your fucking body. Don't touch it. It's beautiful. It's fucking beautiful. If you want to get a nice facial and you want to use body creams and scrubs and things to love your body, do it. But spend your money differently. Spend your money traveling, seeing the world, expanding your mind, growing. Spend your money on on a retreat in a faraway land. Spend your money in savings. Spend your money investing. Don't spend your money cutting your body. I didn't want to give my kids that message. That's really important to me. And even if I framed it one way or another, they're still going to they're still going to get the message that, "Oh, I can change my body if I don't think it's enough." And my message is, "Your body's enough." And I'm sure there are plenty of people that have a lot of different opinions and that's mine. That's mine. That's it. <laughs> and it really got to the point where I didn't like them. I was physically uncomfortable. I was fucking tired of having them. And I no longer wanted my kids to see that this was a choice that I was that I wanted to continue to make. And so I had them, I explanted February 2021. And I couldn't wait to get them out. I rushed to get them out. I found literally the first doctor who could do it. I didn't even see any other doctors because it took too long to get into other doctors. And I'm not going to lie, I don't recommend this. I recommend maybe taking a breath if you have time, seeing several doctors, seeing who you resonate with, really finding someone who is going to explain to you what to expect, what can happen, what your options are. I was told that they would probably look like deflated balloons and that they would quote unquote fluff afterward. Um, But I knew that I was, what I was doing was a radical act of self-love. This was for my body. This was for my mental health, my emotional health, and hopefully for the emotional health of my kids as well. And they were really excited for me. (laughs) Um, And the choice felt good, even though I was, even though I wasn't particularly grounded in the, the patience around getting out. I was kind of frantic around feeling like I needed to get them out. Um, I got to a point where I really just, I didn't feel I needed them anymore in order to love myself, in order to see myself as feminine, in order to see myself as soft and beautiful. I didn't need them anymore for that. I had done a lot of work on myself. Uh, I've, I've always done work on myself, but I've specifically done a lot of work on myself before I'd gotten them out for about a year and a half around just kind of, uh, just kind of more divine feminine work, uh, 
um, embracing my body, listening to my body, letting things, letting emotions out of my body that had been in there for a long time, learning what embodiment practices were, learning what somatic work was, um, letting my body lead, releasing things from my body. I'd done a lot of work around this and a lot as well in terms of, of the feminine, in terms of the divine feminine and what that means and and how to embody that. And so it became easier to let these go because my soul was picking up on my own worth and my own femininity outside of just these sailing bags on my chest. And I got them out and I immediately felt like myself. I was all wrapped up in this giant bandage and having this space on my chest that I'd had for the first 26 years of my life, it felt like me. I felt like me. I didn't know what they looked like. Um, I wasn't able to take the bandage off for a little while, but just physically... I felt like me. I, my whole body shape from top to bottom felt like me. Um, and then when I first saw what was left of my poor war-ravaged, worth-ravaged, breasts I was devastated that I had made so many choices to to reject them and now they they were especially initially they just looked like little deflated balloons that someone had taped to my chest um and taped very awkwardly to my chest. And that was really hard for a while. It's been two years and over two years, a lot of things have, have absolutely softened. There were, I mean, again, it just wrinkles and folds and some concave parts. And like I mentioned, um, because I had so little breast tissue. And when you get your implants out, I did what's called an in-block capsulectomy. So when you get implants, your body, your amazing, amazing body surrounds it with a capsule. It builds a kind of a body fortress around the implant in order to protect the body from the implant. So if there is any disease-related or disease caused by your implant, if the silicone casing from your implant, or if you have silicone implants and they've started to leak, they can it it can be in the capsule. And if the capsule doesn't come out, you can get like silicone poisoning. It can kind of start to fuck up your system. So I got an in-block capsulectomy. So they took the implant out with the capsule around it. I have photos of that to make sure it happened. Then they cut the capsule off and I have my implants. Um so when the capsule comes out, it there's just breast tissue tissue stuck to it. So 
Um, I'm smaller than I was before, and we've already discussed that. So <laughs> smaller than I was before. Um, you can't see the shape of anything if I'm just in a in a t-shirt. Um, if I'm naked, you can. Um, but you can't see the shape of anything if I'm just in a t-shirt. It just looks like a flat chest. Um, and over time, it has it has softened. Um, but again, because there's so little tissue, there is the um, there is the ridge created by the muscle, the rolled up muscle. And then underneath each breast, there uh, there adhesions. So because there's really not there's no natural tissue and anymore. And be, again, I've talked about how the bottom pocket was completely destroyed from the implants being too big, and from um, and from the explant, there's no natural bottom to it. Um, and because there's not muscle back there anymore, they've basically adhered to my ribs. Um, and again, they've, they have softened out. It's not as shocking. I've gotten used to them more so over the past two years. Um, but I, I would say in the past nine months, maybe, maybe year, maybe year to nine months to a year, um, I've really gone back and forth with what I want to do. Do I want to leave them? Do I want to look for an option? Do I want to leave them? Do I want to... Literally, I have thought, do I want to put implants back in? Which after hearing now uh, almost an hour of this podcast, you have to be like, why would you even think that after everything that you've said? Um yeah, it, it would really get to me emotionally and certain things that I felt before, which was, you know, this whole thing about femininity, it's so tied into femininity. And I was like, I don't even have a normal shape. Like it's not even just like they're nice and, and round, small, but nice and round, you know, they have kind of adhesions and, um, it's not, I don't know if it's, as bad as I'm making it sound. I don't know what you're picturing. I don't know what you're picturing. It is not the end of the world level, but it's de- they're definitely um, they've definitely been through a lot. And I really appreciate again, like you know, none of this is my husband's journey, my husband's path quite frankly, my husband's choice. Again, grateful that he knew me, loved me, found me stunning before I did anything to my chest. And I was in a, in a moment sometime in the past few months where I was really just really, really caught up in a lot of emotion about, is this, is this it? Like, is this just it for the rest of my life? And I just talked to him and, um, and, and, and I was like, how, how do you feel about all this? Like, what do you think? And he, and I was like, you know, like this, like, if it's just like this, like, what's the deal? And, and he just genuinely said, I really don't feel like I'm missing out on anything. And he was like, you know, I think that you are super sexy and beautiful 
And I was like, yes, <laughs> thank you. Like, you know, you definitely want, you know, you want the person that you're intimate with to see you as attractive. And that goes both ways, obviously, for men too. Um, and again, not it's it's my journey, but you know, being seen like that through the person that you have a life partnership with is really, is really key. Um, cause I, there were a lot of women in, in the group that I was in, I would see women who'd be like, my husband doesn't want me to get them out. And like, what do you do? And like, Oh God, the person you love you're married to is impeding, you know, possibly your health getting better, your mental health, your emotional health getting better. You just feeling better about yourselves, you know, but that's, that's a different topic. <laughs> that's a different topic. So I did, I did make an appointment with a very, very well-respected plastic surgeon in town who, uh, I did not choose to see for my explant because it took too long to get a consultation with him. It took three months. I made the appointment this February and I saw him just a couple weeks ago in May. I was very caught up with a lot of things. I'm not going to go into all the details of it, but I was very caught up in a lot of things in January and February um, and probably some into March as well. Just feeling, just kind of feeling, I think just aging, you know, being in my... Uh, I'm not quite in my mid forties yet. I'm 43. We're going to still call it early forties, but being in my forties, being in my forties and, you know, wrinkles and, um, you know, wrinkles forming and just aging and thinking about youth and, and seeing youth and, and different bodies and this body that I used to be and, you know, the body that my body is becoming, um, I was really hooked. Hooked is a really good word. I was really hooked in this. And a lot of times when we get hooked in a story of how the world is and how we relate to the world or how we think we should be in the world or appear in the world or react to the world, uh, when we get really hooked, it can be really easy to make decisions that we think are love, but are really designed to try to get us off the hook as fast as possible instead of trying to just reach back, grab the hook from our backs, unhook it, let ourselves fall, and then deal with whatever the hook has left, uh, has left us with. And I was really, really, really hooked and I went and saw him. Um, I started to come, I started to be unhooked and feel more grounded and feel like I had some more space and some more breathing room around, around my chest, around acceptance of my chest now. And I did go see him and I was like, look, I don't know. I don't know. There's so many things now, lasers, injections, like what can we do that would maybe not be a surgery, a surgical option? And basically it sounded like my two options were um, a small fat transfer to even out the adhesions as well as the ridge so that you wouldn't be able to see the ridge and the adhesions would get full. So it'd be, he said it wouldn't add any volume. It would just fill them out. 
and uh, it would sew fat transfer or fat transfer with a small implant. And he was like, here's what we would do. He actually got really excited because he was like, I do the same thing all the time. I know everything that needs to be done here. I know this step and this step and this step. And, and it'll be like, oh man, like I'm so excited. I do the same thing and this is something different. And I, I left feeling good knowing that there were options. Um, I think I spent about a week thinking that I was going to do the implant and fat transfer option. And I, and I've been trying to ask myself, am I hooked into something? Am I hooked into an outcome? Am I hooked into the way that I think should, things should be? And the more I sat with it and the more I just gave, gave space, honestly, and, and prayed and meditated, I was able to create a, or receive, I don't know, create, receive something, a mindset that was a lot more grounded and definitely was like, I don't, I don't want implants again. I don't want to have to have a surgery again after this. Oh my God. I don't even know. Like, what would I do after this? What would I do? What would I do if these caused cancer? If these caused breast cancer, what would I do if I did get breast implant illness from these? What would I do if they lasted 20 years and now I'm, I'm 63 and I need, what am I going to do? Change them again, get them out. And then, then what am I left with? I was like, I don't, I don't want to have to pay another seven, 10, $12,000 for a surgery again after this. I just want to be free of this. Ideally, I would just, ideally I would just go back to looking the way that I did before I ever touched my body. And it seemed like fat transfer um, could do that for me. Fairly minimally invasive. Um, I have not made a, an appointment to do that. I'm looking into, I am looking into someone else who only offers fat transfer, doesn't even do implants. Um, but I, but I don't feel rushed. I don't feel, it doesn't feel intense. I don't feel hooked in. Um, and I think that's a combo of things. I think that's a combo of really, really trying to get radically honest with myself about what am I looking for with bigger boobs? What do I think they will offer me that I feel like I can't have without them? And I named this earlier in the podcast and it was really this whole thing around power that it really felt like they were power. And when I named that, when I just, when I realized that that was part of the story and when I just named it, literally saying it out loud, realizing it and telling it to someone, it was like I was able to create my own sense of power. When I realized where I was giving power away, I was giving power away saying, you can have my power because I don't think I deserve it because my boobs aren't big enough. Doesn't that sound crazy when we say it out loud? When I was able to say that, y'all, I started to feel more powerful and I started to have, I started to be more relaxed and I've started to create more, create more and feed my soul more. I don't know. I don't know when you're listening to this if it's um, if it's a lot later or not. But if it's if it's shortly after it comes out, you're going to see that I've been talking a lot about 
these new photography sessions that I'm creating called Lens of Love. And even if even if you're listening to this later, please check my website um, because these may be something that I'm currently offering. So I had this idea a while ago to combine things that I love that are so healing that I feel like I have a gift in, which is to lead people through guided meditation, healing guided visualization meditation. So using using the imagination of the brain and guiding it. So we're not trying to clear our minds. We're actually thinking about things and guiding people and and, and using this to help women heal their relationship with their bodies so that they can show up for their lives more beautifully, more fully, with more joy and more purpose. So these lens of love sessions are, are a combination of breath work, which can can really change our energy, and guided visualizations, which can heal things that haven't been healed in so long, and ending with photography, ending with a, a mini photo shoot of of look at yourself, look look in your eyes, look at who you are after you've gone through this meditation. Look what you've realized, look how grounded you are and, and see your body, see it as beautiful. And ever since I had this whole realization, um, kind of around this whole thing of power, I've actually had a lot of energy and a lot of definitely feeling of power around getting lens of love into the world and sharing it with people. And I've been on fire with ideas and creation and taking photos. And I really believe it's because of a lot of the work that I did to really figure out what is stopping me from feeling that. Do I actually need surgery to feel that? And I'm going to tell you this, you don't. You don't. You don't need to change a fucking lick of your body in order to discover your power and your worth and your deserving of love and your excitement and your joy. You don't need to change yourself. You know, are there certain things where you may want to change things or you may want to, you know, make yourself just feel glowy or beautiful or or make a change to something that that really just bothers you like yeah I don't yes yes I don't know everything's gray it's all gray <laughs> there's nothing that's black and white but this is a beautiful incredible path to take and to sit and say why 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 do I want to change what is it what is it what is it what is it and just keep asking and 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 maybe have a conversation with someone who you feel you can talk to about it um or, or, or get quiet, get still and meditate and pray and, and just find out what it is before you make the change. Find out what it really is and just keep asking what's under that and what's under that and what's under that and what's under that. And, and I'm so excited. I mean, and I'm so excited to bring this, this journey, this, the knowledge that I've gained throughout my journey the 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 shit that I've walked through, the the ways that I've fundamentally altered my body, but also fundamentally altered the way that I see myself. And to bring these into my lens of love sessions and to be able to offer something, to give something back, something that's come from this 
journey. Um, yeah. And if, if you just, I want to say whether you're local to Nashville or you're not local, uh, I'm offering these local starting in June of 2023. And I am working on a way to offer them uh, virtually as well to anyone in the world. So uh, check out lensoflove.lizahippler.com lensoflove.lizahippler.com And if you are interested in healing the way you see yourself, coming to a point at least of just neutrality with your body so that you can open your heart to life, open your soul, follow your purpose without getting caught up in what you look like, how people are looking at you, what you look like in photos, please come come sign up. Let's hang out. Let's hang out and let me help serve you. I just want to embrace I just want to encourage you <clears throat> to embrace your own journey of self-love and acceptance. And it might not even be self-love yet, hopefully eventually, but a friend of mine told me about this concept of body neutrality. And I actually saw it like two days later pop up in Instagram. And just getting to a point of neutral where it may not be love. You may not get to a point or feel that you can get to a point right now. Self-love may feel really far seeing every piece of you may feel far. There are absolutely angles of my face in photos, y'all, that I will delete. (laughs) I say, nope, I do not like that side, that thing, you're out. Um, But just getting to a point of, okay, this is my body. It is a tool. And it is here to show me things. It can show me where I'm looking for love in the wrong places. And I don't mean choosing the wrong men, although it can. It means I'm looking I'm looking for love outside of me instead of inside of me. Our bodies allow us to hug, to create, to move, to fulfill our soul's purpose, to talk to share our ideas, to use words of, of love. They are our vehicles while we are here on earth. They are soul's vehicles while we're here. They hold trauma. They have pain. And that lets us know when we need to heal, when we are off. They light up. We get chills. We feel light. We feel, we feel tingly in our chest when something is amazing and so aligned with us. Our bodies are tools for our souls. And if we can get to a point of neutrality, to a point of understanding that our body is here in service of our soul, then maybe we can get to a beautiful place of expression with what we're here to do, with what we're really here to do through our heart, 
through our soul. And I encourage you to embrace your own journey. Maybe journal about it, talk about it, come to a lens of love session. They are priced well, I promise you. And just know that you are beautiful. You are more than so, so, so much more than whatever you see in a photo that you judge. You are your soul and you are your soul's purpose. And if you want your body to feel beautiful while it is here in service to your soul, then make it feel beautiful. But you don't need to cut it in order to serve your soul. You just don't. Learn to come to places of acceptance, neutrality, appreciation, and gratitude. Thank you so, so much for listening. You are welcome to reach out to me anytime with questions. Um, You can use my website link, lizahibbler.com or on Instagram at lizahibbler. Thank you. Your body is beautiful. Your soul is beautiful. Go forth and create beautifully.